BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hello and welcome to Updates Year 2022. We start with little gorgeous Ivy Wick who was killed by her step douche Justin Bennett and if you will remember he confessed in a Mr. Big Sting, to smashing little Ivy's head and throwing her around and was convicted of second-degree murder in her death back in March of 2021. But he was making all kinds of delay before his sentencing hearing. He demanded a second psych exam and then fired his next two lawyers, which is pretty ballsy considering he was unemployed and facing homelessness before his conviction and is now is getting picky about the service that he's getting. Anyways, in November of this year, he delayed this again because his new lawyer wants to apply for a mistrial. The judge, Blair Nixon, has said, quote, We're at more than a year and a half past the date of conviction, and the reason I was asking the question is we are looking now at not even having an application for a mistrial filed at or near the end of February. That's two years post the conviction. The prosecutor, Tom Spark, said, quote, the Crown is in a difficult position of saying we don't have any knowledge of the strength of Mr. Bennett's application because it's protected by solicitor-client privilege. In the end, Justice Nixon did have to agree to the delay, quote, dealing with the issue of a mistrial at this stage will be more efficient than letting it go to appeal. Uh, the next steps on that don't even start until February 3rd of 2023. Then the murder of Jasmine Lovett and her little peanut Elias Sanderson on, on September 6, 2022, Robert Leeming, douche canoe extraordinaire, was convicted of second-degree murder of Elias. Remember, he pled guilty to murdering Jasmine, but not guilty to Elias, claiming that she had taken an accidental tumble down the stairs. Well, the jury didn't buy that and convicted him on a second on a second count of murder. Uh, Justice Keith Yam, Yamachi read his sentencing on November 10th, 2022, and he received two life sentences with no parole of el parole eligibility for 22 years. The second degree murder is normally a life sentence with eligibility after 10, um, and he is, of course, appealing that decision. Now, on to Ryan Jason Love, who murdered cab driver Lucy Turmel in Banff in 1990. 
He's had his parole revoked after being out for 10 years. He received day parole in 2011 and then full parole in 2012. He was 18 when he killed Lucy and is 51 now. And in 2020, he became involved with a woman. uh, And that relationship was considered negative and unhealthy by his family and which his parole officer considered to be domestically turbulent. In January 2022, uh, he smashed the windows of her car with a baseball bat and got 30 days days in jail and and a reprimand from the parole board and told to go to counseling. Now, why they didn't revoke his parole right then and there, I don't understand, because being convicted of any crime, no matter how small you would think, would send a murderer back to prison, but I guess it doesn't. Then, in August of 2022, he was pulled over by police with a very drunk woman in his car. He was released by the police after passing a breathalyzer for himself, but when his parole officer asked him about the incident, he lied and said that he that an acquaintance that he barely knew of him uh, had told her to pick her up. But cell phone records revealed that he knew this guy actually very well, and he was what the parole board considered a negative associate. So the parole board said, quote, your case management team found that with your deteriorated performance under supervision and dishonesty, your risk had escalated and become unmanageable. So his parole was revoked and the board found that he had returned to his crime cycle and had breached multiple conditions of his parole relating to the August 22 event and his subsequent lies. So he's been sent back to prison. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc now this next one isn't so much an update as information from what i consider a very reliable source regarding tamara lovett who you will remember claimed her son died after fighting a really bad cold that she was treating with holistic remedies including dandelion tea she was given a manslaughter conviction in three years in prison. She's been out since 2019. Now, this source, who I'm not going to name because he lives and works in our community, and no, I did not give him a lie detector test or anything, but I believe his statements to be truthful, mostly because they align with much of what I suspected about Tamara Lovett during my research of her son's death, and is in fact an opinion based on his observations. And really, my perception is that he just really wanted to unload what he knows. Um, So I'm just going to read parts of his email to me regarding Tamara. Quite by accident, I stumbled upon your podcast on the death of Ryan Lovett. I have long wished to have a chance to give my account of the tragic story of the death of Ryan, a very needless death. I knew both Tamara and Ryan very well. Indeed, I was both their friend and landlord, the former by choice, the latter not so much by choice. I am an artist and I met Tamara through the local art scene here in Calgary. She was a co-manager of an alternative art gallery that I sold some pieces through. 
Over the next two years, Tamara became to be one of my closest friends, and Ryan and I also became really good pals. I was never that much into kids, but Ryan was different. I liked him a lot, to be honest. I could give you much details and background history as to how my relationship with Tamara and Ryan evolved, the first signs of Tamara being, well, a fraud artist, one might say. She was a hustler always looking for quick money, and she had a good angle, organizing art events and music festivals, and she was good at it. Except reports would emerge that she would disappear with the monies meant for the artists and the bands. I experienced that directly from an art show. Still, her smooth talking managed to mend things with most people most of the time, but what I was aware of was only a fraction of the things that she did. What was upsetting was that her victims were people who were hardly well-heeled, artists, writers, musicians, etc., the vulnerable. I pulled away somewhat from that particular art scene as it was becoming too political, too bitchy, the usual. But in a city like Calgary, one would still run into people like Tamara. She was everywhere. But still up to that point, I had assumed that she had it together when it concerned Ryan. It never occurred to me when I would see them at the Cafe Bino or elsewhere. It was at times when he really should have been at school. She drove a brand new Volkswagen Jetta, yet never had any money. I would see people offer her jobs because they wanted to help her, being as she was a single mother and they liked Ryan, yet she would always turn them down because she claimed her ex-husband or boyfriend, from whom she had gotten the Jetta, had done some sort of tax fraud and had gotten caught, and she didn't want Revenue Canada to know where she was because she would likely go to prison. So great the fraud that they had committed, she claimed. Oh, she could only work under the table, per se. Now, I just want to do a side note here to say that Tamara's ex-husband was actually never named in my original episode and that any charges against him have never been made public or anything like that. One day, I ran into her and she was in distress, saying she was getting kicked out of the house, her house. I later learned that it's not exactly true as she never was attended at that house, but rather squatted in that house after some friends had moved out. The owners had turned off all gas, electric, and water services to the house, and she and Ryan had continued to living, living there for some months, but now the sheriff's bailiffs had changed the locks on her and the gig was up for her. Um, also, another side note, remember that the paramedics that came in said that she, at the time where she was living, was a squalored and dirty apartment, and that could align with the fact that she was actually squatting there. Uh, she knew I was a property manager in a large old house in the inner city at which there were several rooms I rented out. I had just transitioned into that position a few months earlier after being at that house as a tenant, and there had been left a volatile situation when other tenants had left without paying. Uh, midnight moves, that is. The owner was extremely angry, so I was under a lot of pressure to get the property back on its financial feet. The last thing I needed was an unemployed single mother and her kid, because the tenants I would be seeking would be university students who generally don't wish to live with a young boy. Hell, I didn't wish to live with a young boy and his huckster of a mother. She asked me if I had a room as she knew I had three rooms to rent from a mutual friend. I had to say yes, but I stated several times that only if she could pay first month's rent plus a damage deposit and proof of employment or social assistance could I let her in, figuring that would never happen. And it did never happen. Two days later, I returned home from being out doing errands all day to find Tamara and Ryan had moved into the attic of the house I was in charge of. What could I do? I knew they had nowhere to go, and I just couldn't kick them out on the streets. I still liked Ryan, even though my relationship with Tamara had soured by then. And I said to her, I don't recall you saying you could move in. She laughed and replied, oh, you were just so stoned, you probably don't remember. It's okay. 
No, I knew I did not say they could move in. She was lying through her teeth, but even then I justified it as being a desperate act by someone who had just nowhere to go. She had no money to give me, zero, only a promise that she had a job full-time landscaping and would have cash for me in a week. That never happened. A week became two, then a month, and then on. Never got a cent from her. But that was nothing compared to what unfolded next. Tamara would say she was going to the store and we'd be back in 30 minutes, so could I watch Ryan? Sure, I would say. She wouldn't return for three days. Gone. Not a phone call to say where she was when she would come back. All during that time, Ryan would be distressed, asking myself and other tenants, when is mummy coming home? It was awful. And she did this again the next time for six days, then another time for a week, and yet again for four days. She would say her job took her out of town, but that by then I knew she was lying. I would go looking for her and have people tell me that he just saw her a few hours earlier at a coffee shop or another. I was livid. Not only getting no rent from her, but now having to watch a kid full-time and having to feed him and having other tenants complain about this kid bugging them, asking him when money's coming home. I learned later that I actually got off easy in terms of being ditched by her leaving Ryan behind as one of her friends had the same, except it was for four months. Things started moving fast. It seemed every day I would hear another scam of Tamara's ripping this person off for X dollars for another person would lend her her car. She'd lost the Jetta by then, of course, and Tamara would vanish with it for days. I knew then that this was far worse than I had imagined. This was a real professional fraud artist and she was living in my house. So I decided I had to evict her and move her stuff out and came home after looking for her around town to find that she was moving out and even was loading a few belongings into someone's car. Uh, and saying that she'd finally got paid for work. So that was that, I thought. At least she was gone, sucked it up the losses she incurred for me, and I moved on. And then some months later came the news about Ryan's death, and I was shocked. I was shocked at what she'd said had happened and why it had happened, and shocked at how people were defending her, claiming what a great mother she was and how inseparable her and Ryan was. So here is the truth. Sorry, disclaimer here. The truth according to my source, but just so you know, I buy it 100%. Ryan died needlessly because he could have been treated if she had taken him to a hospital. Tamara had never taken him to a hospital, that you know. But when I heard the reason she gave, I just about had a heart attack. She had declared herself a homeopath and a believer in alternative medicine, so didn't believe in Western medicine. It also emerged that Ryan had never been in school. She said it was because she believed in homeschooling. Utter bullshit. She never talked about alternative medicine, never practiced holistic health, and certainly never homeschooled Ryan. Her draping herself in the holistic medicine homeschool martyr flag was, I must admit, a brilliant lie. You see, she had to say something as to why she never took Ryan to hospitals or let him go to school. Because the true reason Ryan never went to hospital school was her beyond irrational fear that doing so would create a paper trail for the government to track her down and imprison her for this alleged massive tax fraud she and her ex did. And that came from her own mouth when I asked her why she didn't get the government to give her monies for food and rent when she lived at my place. I even offered to get her that money being an ex-bureaucrat, and she turned me down over and over again until after bugging her to let me get the government money so she could give me rent. She told me why she couldn't. The insane fear of being thrown in jail for tax fraud. I told her they wouldn't do that to a single mother, but she was absolutely convinced they would. So when Ryan died and I heard her holistic medicine homeschool stories, it all came together. Why Ryan didn't go to a hospital that night 
the night he died and why he never went to school or had any ID. Ryan died for a tax debt. That's the goddamn truth. Died for a tax debt that probably was amplified out of all proportion to reality in Tamara's mind. Bringing Ryan into hospital that night would have been t- would have Tamara believed led her to being arrested for tax fraud and thrown in jail. That is what happened. Tamara was a fraud artist. She was a shitty mother, used Ryan to further her frauds, and Ryan died needlessly for her fear of being caught for her frauds. And it sickened me to see and hear all these people saying she was a great mother and see her hailed as a victim of prosecution and made into a holistic martyr. She frauded the justice system, and by doing so, she frauded her son from getting justice. These mutual friends who claimed she was a great mother, many of whom knew the truth, yet they lied too. Why, I could only guess, likely for guilt, for watching it all unfold and doing nothing when they could have. When the trial was near conclusion, I could not stand hearing the lies anymore, and I wrote a long letter to the Crown Prosecutor's Office in Calgary telling them my story and offered to be a witness, but the legal deal had already been done between the Crown and the defense, and lawyers being lawyers, they stick to their narratives and the truth be damned. The case had dragged on for a long time and lots of public money spent, and including my testimony would mean going back and starting again, so the truth died on the table of an office budget, more or less. A few months after the verdict was given, I actually saw Tamara in the local Safeway. Our eyes locked. She knew I knew the truth, and she looked away. I said nothing to her. What was there really left to say? She knows what she did and why. She may have escaped a harsher sentence of time in prison, but nobody, I think, will have heavier weight to bear for the rest of their lives than Tamara. But being a narcissistic sociopath, I doubt she feels that weight at all. So I have included this writer's email as a bit of an update, mostly because my feeling was he was just really sad about how Ryan's case went down and just needed to unload his feelings and observations about Tamara. I don't think it's a smear campaign, and if you happen to know Tamara and feel differently, I'm not here to take sides. I think it's a very sad story, and I think there's always more to all of these stories than what gets written in the news, and I think that this is just a good example of how long and far-reaching the effects are. Ryan's death really touched this person and frustrated him how it got played out, not just in the media, but in the courts. Now, lastly, Anna's story. I don't have a lot of updates on our dear, sweet warrior, Anna. I know that her ex's arraignment was on December 1st, and she's been given the dreaded victim impact statement package, uh, which is daunting for anybody. She is so far staying strong and safe and just dealing with all the really uncomfortable emotions you can imagine. I am 100% behind her, and from her emails, it's very clear that she is smart, articulate, and she's got this, and I will keep you all posted on her journey, and I hope that she keeps me posted. And that was a wrap for 2022. There is still a lot more tragedy to cover, so I will continue to bring you a new tragedy each week. I hope you all have a wonderful, healthy, and prosperous 2023, where you heed all the red flag warnings, and I don't have to write an episode about you. As always, thank you so much for listening. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, 
Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.